Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Welcome into Second Amendment Radio in the Great Outdoors. I'm Mark Cox, along with Bo Matthew and uh, Carl Middleman in here running Hello. the board for us. Thank you. Uh, good to see you, Mark. How Great are you? Great to see you, my friend. I'm doing well. It's uh, another crazy week. And the, uh, the 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 crazy stories are like low hanging fruit anymore. It, it really is. It, it's it's amazing to me, and uh, I'm sure we're going to talk more about it through the the uh, course of the show today. But you know, for example, this past week, as I covered uh, on my show, the president uh, goes uh, across country again, talking about violence, and then he adds the word gun in front of it. Uh, in these major cities where they're racked with violence, Philadelphia, uh, Chicago, obviously flew up to Chicago a week ago and talked to a, a mayor, uh, Lightfoot up there or whatever her name is. And um, you're it, right. It, t- true. Right. Yeah. And uh, Lori Lightfoot and and oh, nobody, nobody in the mainstream media in this country has the guts to ask the question, why do you blame an inanimate object? For, for the actions of a criminal, because law-abiding citizens are not the problem here, but you always want new laws, and law-abiding citizens are the only ones who pay attention to those laws. Yeah, the laws have nothing. Uh, there's It's not even on the peripheral of the bad guys, right. if you will, the bad people that are committing these crimes. I saw a meme go by on one of my social medias that said, you know, 74 people shot in Chicago, not one police officer involved. No. You know, and, and, and it's just... It's it's so bad. Evil is lurking, and it's it's very sad to see innocent people that are bystanders. Because a lot of a lot of cases. I mean, I'm a responsible gun owner. I believe. I believe you are. Uh, you practice. You're familiar. Uh, could you imagine? I had this thought. Could you imagine the deaths, the death toll, if the bad guys truly knew what they were doing with their firearms? Oh, of course. I mean, it would be three times, four times as much. In, in the death. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to, to, and to, to that point, I mean, you've got, it's silly season in America. One of the big stories this week was criticism, the, the liberal uh, minds blown over the Block 19. Did you see that? The Lego-looking gun? <laughs> yes. That yes. was, you know, red and yellow and blue and sort of looked like it was built out of, uh, not really Legos, but it kind of looked like that. It was actually a, a, a working firearm that a, a company uh, put out and immediately had to withdraw. Culper Precision is the one that customized the Glock and called it a Block 19. And the the gun control uh, nuts, uh, Shannon Watts, uh, you know, they all came out and claimed that this was this was a da- dangerous, and kids would pick this up and think it's a toy. It, it, Bo said the exact right thing a minute ago. Uh, gun people, us, the people that are that listen to this show, are law abiding citizens, and we're safe gun owners, and we have gun safes, and we keep our guns locked up, and that is. That's just a fact. They want you to act like 
people are going to buy this gun. I don't know who would buy it. And first of all, it's ugly and it does look like a toy. <laughs> right. Who you wouldn't carry something that looked like that to begin with. But who, you don't just leave your guns laying around. I don't know anybody that does that. Do you? And no. you wouldn't let a kid play with that of either. Of course not. And it's horrifying when you do hear those stories yes. of a four year old grabbing it because you know that is not a responsible gun owner uh, who is that person. Uh, they're getting it uh, out of their you know out of their dad's pocket or their mom's purse or whatever. Um, Law abiding uh, gun owners take all the precautions because we know that they can be dangerous they can be dangerous but they're also a, 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 a barrel of fun if you can if i can use a, if i can use a pun did you just come up with that i'm on the on the run i did uh but brandon scott is the president of uh, culper's precisions i don't know why he did it i he, but he said he did tell the washington post that lego was polite but firm and well, they kind of use it's not their logo but they use their font and they could get sued yeah, I, I, again and, and that that will happen and they'll do what they need to do um and this story made me think of uh, uh pink pistols if you've seen mm-hmm. at the gun store or different colors i think pink was like one of the first you know crazy colors and i think that there is some truth that if a, if a small child sees that they would think that that is a toy just because of the coloring. But again, if you're a responsible gun owner, you would not have it accessible not to a child. Right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so, you know, the, the the bad guys in the big cities around the country that are doing all the killing on each other, I, I truly believe it could be a lot worse if they were better shots. It, it's just, and I'm, I'm glad they're not. I'm glad they're not. That my opinion. No, no, I, I think I think you're absolutely right. I, I'm a, I'm a fan of the uh, the regular good old black looking uh, Glocks myself. Right, In fact, right. I'm I'm about to buy another one. Mm-hmm. I talked to my friends at the uh, at the range who are who are a sponsor of, of my show, and um, they are having trouble getting them in right now. The, really? the ones they're ordering. But we were also talking about those stimulus checks that came out. Yep. The, this past week, the new child tax credit starting to come out. What I've said is. You know what's going to happen? These people are going to get these extra checks for three, six, nine hundred dollars. They're going to Best Buy to get a TV, or they're going uh, clothes shopping, or they're going. They're paying off bills. In in a lot of people I know are going to turn around. They're going to go buy a handgun, right? Or buy buy something. And, and if you think an opposite world that I believe that we're living in for the last uh, couple of years, yes, um, that you know the amount of gun sales. A lot of people want to talk about how many guns were sold last year, whatever it is, eighty million, ninety million, whatever it is. I think a lot of the stimulus money was gravy oh, for a sure lot of people, and they yeah. thought, you know what, I, I will go get that Glock that I've always wanted and accessorize, or bought the car that they wanted. Now they got the down payment. It was, it was. It, it, will the stimulus money go for the children that's being put out there right now? I don't. I, who knows? Yeah. Here's I, my question. My bone of contention is: if you got all that stimulus money and you can afford to buy a car with it. Get your license tags done. Drives me nuts. I'm, <laughs> I'm driving down the interstate the other day, and mm-hmm. I see a car whose temporary tag expired in, I think it was 2019. Now, that's not, oh most, that's not the most egregious example I've seen, but I did hear where the the governor was signing a bill that would change that moving yes. forward, where, where car dealerships would start issuing, uh, the, you'd pay your license fee when you bought the vehicle. But they I've would stretch lobbying, it out. They, they're stretching, stretching it out. Stretching out so you don't have to pay. That's the problem with this. The tax is you have to pay up front, and it's like 5% of the car, so you have to pay all up front, and they can't afford I've it. I've been lobbying for that for years. Absolutely. I've never understood because every temporary tag you see is potentially thousands of dollars that haven't been paid tax cheats. that are due to the government, right? Why would the government allow that situation to continue? 
My, what what other item can you buy, Mark, that you don't pay the tax when you buy it? Food or items no, or whatever. Nothing. But nothing. they're saying you pay the car off in five years. You should be able to pay the taxes off on that for now, five Now, can years. you work the tax into the payment? That's you what can. they're trying to change. Yes. I got you. Okay. Well, that would yes. make sense. I mean, they would get their taxes, but... I, but it, it should be done in the first year, kind of like the principal <laughs> home you. loan. Thank you. I'm crazy. It just right. makes perfect sense. Uh, uh, this, uh, these troublemakers. Uh, Speaking of laws. Crazy lawmakers. Law banning handgun sales to American uh, Americans under 21 violates Second Amendment. A federal appeals court ruled Tuesday of this week that prohibitions on uh, selling handguns to Americans under 21 violates the Second Amendment. That uh, latest legal victory for gun rights advocates in federal court. Uh, thoughts on this here? Because this was a Johnson administration law. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, because uh, you can go into the military at 17 or 18 years old, uh, be proficient as a sharpshooter in in their basic training, but yet they they have these rules in place. Yeah, it's silly. It's uh, it's just silly. It, it goes back to the old argument of, if I can serve my country, you should be able to serve me a beer. Have and, you ever heard that if, argument? Yeah, yeah. And if you can go in and buy a rifle, you should be able to go in and buy a handgun. Because, again, we, we the problem we have in America is that the, 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 the anti-gun groups want to convince you that everybody who buys a gun is a potential criminal. Criminals don't go to gun stores to buy guns. They don't go to Walmart. They don't go to Dick's. They don't. They don't go to stores, gun stores, to buy guns. They buy them illegally on the street. You're not stopping anything that contributes to crime. Or they steal by it. letting a 21 year old who's considered responsible enough to conceal carry, certainly at 19, I believe it is in Missouri now, uh, to not be able to go legally purchase a handgun. It's, right. it's just silly season. Well, and and we're seeing in the outlying communities of this metro that these teams, they call it a ring, actually, of going into neighborhoods and, and checking on doors, doors of vehicles guns. to steal mm-hmm. guns. There was a shooting out in uh, in Eureka uh, that I saw uh, 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 Sergeant Colonel. I don't, Mike Wurgis is a buddy of mine. I don't even know his rank. I, he's, I got him in my phone. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I saw him. Yeah, let, no, don't, <laughs> don't do that. Uh, we can no. end uh, retired yet. But anyway, yeah, yeah. he uh, I saw him on TV talking about it, and you can see the, the ring door video cam. Uh, the guy, you know, in the middle of the night sees him, the guy in his vehicle. He goes out with a firearm in his hand, thank goodness, but without even thinking about it, as soon as the guy knows the homeowner is coming out, he starts shooting, and so the the homeowner returns fire. Now, he's not in trouble, but they haven't found that guy, as far as I know, as of the recording of this show. So the shooter did not hit the suspect. He did uh, uh, He did not, okay. and he also did not get shot, but, okay, the, but good, the, good. the criminal, if you will, or the, um, you know, the alleged criminal... He he shot without even thinking about it. Just you know, boom. You know, just start shooting it. That's frightening. Jumped into a stolen car and took off. Um, mm. So I, I'm sorry I don't have the full story of whether they've apprehended him because most of the times they're not. But they're going through these huge subdivisions, checking door handles, which yes. there is also. A they're bill. trying to make a law that you can't just walk up to cars and see if it's unlocked. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. that that came out this week that they're mm-hmm. trying to work on that. So it, you know, if you're walking through Walmart. And a police officer sees you, you know, grab the wrong door handle. That could be that could be a law, um, and illegal. <laughs> yeah, I'm not laughing at that. I'm just laughing at a recent situation I had. We went camping, right? And um, we were at Mizzou. We were in Columbia. Went out with my kid. Uh, I wanted to stay out later than my wife, so she went back to go to bed, right, in the campground. <laughs> and I took an Uber back later in the middle of the night, like two in the morning. And as I'm walking to the trailer, I have I no look, idea where you are. I look over and realize that the door. 
the door on my truck, the knob is, is sting up. It had not been locked properly. The, oh, boy. The, and I thought, without thinking, because I'd had a few cocktails, mm-hmm. I'm going to open the door and lock the car. Well, my wife had hit the 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 button the remote, yeah. with the remote, but for some reason that door lock didn't go down. And when I so opened the alarm the door, is still on. The alarm went off in the campground at two thirty in the morning, and I'll bet all these people those thin little walls they wanted love to you. kill me. I'll bet they wanted to kill me. Uh, so anyway, well, at you, least I, it was your car. At least it was my car. I was checking. I know, but the in the time. future you could be arrested for <laughs> you that. Could, I know. Mm-hmm. You got to be careful. That's One more problem. story we have: uh, they found sharks in Missouri. Okay, this is crazy. Now, I spent some time down in Florida, so I learned about brackish water, which is salt water and fresh water combined. Oh. And so sometimes uh, creatures make it a little further inland uh, on in the waterways. And it's kind of freaky because, you know, if it's 30 or 40 miles in, that's that's quite a ways. Oh, yeah. But yeah. if you've seen, if you, if you remember seeing, uh, like, you know, the flood of 93 aerial photos or satellite photos, how brown the water is coming out of the Mississippi into the ocean, you really do see how far that, that brackish water goes. And this story, it kind of shocked me because uh, they, they say that sharks were caught in the Mississippi River near St. Louis. And they the rest of the headline on KMOX.com is researchers want to know more. Yeah, we do, too. Uh, and it's a good thing that it's uh, not on the Missouri River because uh, our next guest that we're going to be having is Ryan Connolly is going to be doing this uh, kayak <laughs> race. That would be horrible. Um, so, yeah, a pair of researchers released a new report about instances of bull sharks traveling 1,100 miles up the Mississippi River from the Gulf of Mexico to our area. And they've even uh, brought in some paleontologists. Uh, this guy named Dr. Ryan Shell, he's a researcher at the Cincinnati Museum Center, and his colleague, Nick Gardner, uh, weeded through a number of possible hoaxes and false reports to find two real instances of sharks spotted in the area. So I don't know who swims. I've never swam in the Mississippi. <laughs> Ew, why would you? I've swam in Fountain Creek, which is a waterway off of the Mississippi, and it was clearer. But the Miss- they call Mississippi mud or the muddy Mississippi for a reason. Yeah, it's gross. So the fact that they have... Uh, they found one in Alton. Uh, oh, I didn't know it was one, Alton. One was Alton in 1937. So okay. it goes back like 84 years. Oh, this wasn't last Saturday? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. See, this is where... But you, see, Mark, this is the thing. Fake news, Carl. Mark, Mark, you have to understand, I don't ever read the whole story. Right. So, <laughs> But now, the other one was 1995, so that's more recent. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll take that. Now they serve shark chunks at... Uh, at Cybers. Cybers, there you go. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, that's scary. So yeah. it is possible, though. That's that's the crazy thing, is that they have made it up this far. Or somebody released one in the river and it lived As a baby. To live for a little mm-hmm. while. I, yeah. don't, I don't know. You bring up a good point. It's the 25-pound koi, the goldfish. That's been making the news with the Missouri Conservation Department about, you know, people, re, you know, you think of releasing your pets, your dog, your cat out in the, let's go for the, you know, ride to the farm. Mm-hmm. People are doing that with their, yeah. we, we talked about it on the show. We did. And these koi fish are gigantic. Now I, I heard a 25-pounder. <laughs> you need more tartar sauce, for sure. Yeah. Would you yeah. eat that, though? No. I thought no. that'd be a horrible are fish to me? eat. No. <laughs> That's crazy talk. Yeah, um, I, I don't know about you, but I, I mean, I'm glad that uh, we've covered the Second Amendment uh, uh, to some extent already. I'm glad you brought up uh, uh, Ryan Conley because, you know, I've been kayaking before, yeah. but not like beyond a very small lake or river i never had to go far right this guy is about to set um well i don't know if he's going to set a record because they do this every year but he's about to set off on a journey that is that could take four days uh in a kayak 
on the the uh, Missouri River. That's I don't want to. I don't want to ride in a Cadillac for four days. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, uh, Ryan and I have met uh, about six months ago. He is a sponsor uh, in season financial of Second Amendment Radio on the Great Outdoors. And the more I learn about the guy, just like you learned that Bo doesn't read the whole story ever, <laughs> just know that for the future, Mark. Uh, Ryan is a, a great guy. We're going to talk to him about what he's uh, about to expect on this uh, this journey that starts next week. Pretty yeah. exciting. And do you like? Have you, do you have a silencer? Have you ever tried to buy one? We got a guy on who's the founder of the silencer shop, and he's going to. Explain how you get one, the history of them. Fascinating stuff. It's all coming up on the Second Amendment Radio and the Great Outdoors. We're back in a minute. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. I'm telling you what, he does it, it does it every time. Never disappoints. Glad you're with us here on Second Amendment Radio in the Great Outdoors. Mark Cox along with uh, Bo Matthews. And uh, we've got a guest in studio today, Bo. That's fantastic. We do. And I, I call him the Chuck Norris of the outdoors because he does everything. And I know he's embarrassed by that. But, you know, you most people that, that live what they say. You know, they, they, they walk the walk. They don't just talk the talk. So we're going to meet Ryan Connolly in just a moment. Uh, but this segment, because it's outdoors, uh, the outdoors portion of this program, I want to mention it's brought to you by Chuck's Booth Superstores. Oh, they don't they don't use superstores anymore. I don't know why, because they have over 100,000 pairs of boots. But Chuck's Boots, Fenton, St. and online at chucksboots.com, where you can win a Polaris 1000 General with thorough good boots. So just go to chucksboots.com, or you can go to Chuck's Boots Facebook page. They are super stores they're not super stores they are super stores <laughs> i well think they're done. trying to detach from the big <laughs> yeah. box thing yeah. um but anyway uh mark I, I i wanted to have our guest in ryan conley from in season financial he is a sponsor of the show um but it's because he's about ready to embark on the missouri 340 are you familiar with this uh, i am not a, i'm i'm still stuck on the walker texas ranger roundhouse kick that i'm expecting at the end of the sh- <laughs> this segment because you you, you brought up norris i build him up i build him up i know that's uh, good explain yeah. what ryan uh what the missouri 340 is i've only known one other person to complete it how about you um, so the race, it's called the MR340. Oh, I kept um, calling them Missouri that's, 340. That's, that's okay. No, it's the MR340. It starts in uh, right literally on the on the border of Kansas and Missouri, on the Missouri River. Um, and it ends up in St. Charles, where which is great because that's where I live and I can be finished and go straight to, <laughs> just straight go to bed. To bed, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Um, this is by kayak. Well, it's kayak or canoe, oh. any kind of... Basically, those are the two main crafts. There are some some pretty interesting uh, boats that have been 
custom made that have three or four six people in them at a time. So as long as it doesn't have a sail or a motor, obviously, uh, but using traditional paddles or they even have some pedal powered boats, it's all it, those are those are all allowed. There's different classes okay. for people. Um, you can do it uh, individually, like I said, or in in tandem. And how are classes. you doing it? I'm going on a uh, in a, in a tandem kayak with okay. a, a buddy of mine. And uh, and how long does it generally take? Well, that's a good question. You have 85 hours to get it all finished. Oh, there's a maximum. There's a maximum. But so, not a minimum. And there's a boat that keeps the pace. It's called the Reaper. And if you fall behind it, you're out. Oh, wow. Um, so, you know, the, I guess that's the for safety measures. I can't have... You know, hundreds and hundreds of people across the river, you know, if something happens along those lines. Plus, I'm sure everybody wants to get done with it. Right. <laughs> uh, the records are, you know, like in the 36, 37-hour range. So there are people that have gone straight through the night and really not stopped much at all. Um, but I think most of the people are looking in like the 50 to 70-hour range. So Probably. you you do you stop and then rest on the side of the river? Do you camp? What do you do? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple. There there's a a handful about nine different stops that you have to check in. Okay. So either you have to get out and let one of the officials know, or somebody on your ground crew does, and it's up to you. If you want to paddle all the way through the night, you can. If you want to stop and camp, you know the the most of the checkpoints are established um, boat ramps. So there's a lot of space available, but relatively speaking, there's a lot of space available to, to set up camps and stuff. How, how many people usually take part? I think the last time I checked, the registration had um, just under 500 boats wow. right now. Yeah. That's wow. A lot of I was completely unaware that this even happened, but you know, it's a commitment. I mean, you couldn't just decide last week that you were going to go out and do this. You'd have to. You'd, you'd, you, how long have you been training for this thing? So I've heard I for for the race well over a year. Wow! You know, and I when I say training, it's it's uh, I'm not an Olympic trainer or anything. <laughs> no. those but you're lines, not but, floating like Mark and I do right, with no, cold, cooler is, beer. Exactly, and, right, you know, right, it's, right. it's I'm guessing nothing quite <laughs> quite that extensive. Um, but I've heard about the the event probably six years ago or so, um, and I always thought it was it was, it was neat, and um, just finally. Um, entered into like the Facebook forum that they have, the page that they have, and started talking to some people, and then found out a buddy of mine um, has been wanting to do it too. We actually participated in it last year uh, as a ground crew. So there was a another paddler who's going to be going with us, uh, and we basically followed along. And you know, when he would come up to 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 check in, we would pick up his boat, make sure that you know he had his new water and all the other stuff that's necessary kind of like the pit crew on a on a nascar race. right so do you carry provisions with you or, or do they feed you on these stops where you stop oh i mean you if you have a ground crew that's that's the best and some of these ground crews are toting around nice class a motor homes i mean they are they they're not really roughing it right, right. Not, not at all well they're uh, not no uh, but there are some that are doing it totally unsupported and they're sleeping under a tarp i mean right. it runs it runs the gamut the nice thing is most of these towns along the river have, during these events, you know, like the, the VFW Hall or the Boy Scouts will set up a tent or two uh, and, you know, cook 
hot dogs, hamburgers, and that's health food. Well, at that <laughs> it's point, something. I, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, it it almost doesn't matter as far as that goes. But there, you know, you so you get to support the local community to some degree and make it simple. Well, good. Ryan Conley is our guest from In Season Financial. We're talking to him about the uh, 340 kayak race, MR340 kayak race. Correct? Yes, Missouri, Missouri River. River. I yep. was always saying Missouri yep. 340. Okay. That's all right. You know, I'm I'm fascinated by that because. As a reporter for many years, I know I, I used to cover issues with water levels in the river and how much states upstream would restrict that and and, and the, the risk of making it not navigable certain times of the year because it used to be a major uh, waterway to bring in coal and other things uh, down that river. How much of a how much of a challenge is that? Is that something you have to learn to watch out for when you're on the river? You're still seeing big boats and all that. Well, yeah, barges are probably one of the biggest things we have to worry about. Yeah. Um, the, the 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 river is pretty well marked, but even the the way they mark it with the buoys can be dangerous because they will they're they're big, they're heavy, and they swing back and forth. So you have to keep an eye out. Um, and at, at night, it gets to be a real challenge. Obviously, okay. now they they do a good job. You know, every year when they schedule it, it's it's around the moon phases, so you have a full moon to give, you know, at least you have that going for you, which is nice. Um, yeah, but that brings all the crazies out, too, so oh, you for sure. Out, right? for sure. Uh, so, you you know, you have to watch out for the barge traffic, though. That, that for some for some of the people in the in these really nice, slick, sleek kayaks and canoes that are really lightweight, they almost need to pull over to wait for the wakes to, to go to go through the kayak that i'm in i mean it's it's a beast it's a tank i mean we we and rob and i the the my the the buddy of mine and i we're, we're not small dudes so we can barrel through most of the wake so far i mean yeah. at least in our practice runs we've been doing okay but yeah the barge traffic can be significant well, I uh, a couple of years ago, a buddy of mine who's a songwriter in Nashville, actually, um, he came up here to do it, and he thought because uh, he'd never done it, he didn't do the ride, you know, the uh, the pit crew type of experience of the year before, so he was going in blind, and he figured he was going to get the smallest kayak because it would be the lightest and it would be the easiest. It turned out that was the wrong decision uh, for just paddling. You know, to get down the, you know, just to get down the river at any normal speed. So he really struggled. He did finish, but he struggled a lot. Oh, I mean, you it, the the type of boat you have can make a huge difference. Um, you know, the there are a lot of kayaks that you can buy, big box doors. You sure. know, ten foot long, couple hundred bucks. I mean, yes, that will do it. How long is yours? The one that we're is twenty three feet long. Whoa, oh, that's like a skiff. Wow. Yeah, I mean it's, <laughs> it's two a, people. It's a two person. Yeah, but even most of the 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 people that are doing it uh, in individual kayaks, it's probably seventeen, you know, type, you know, minimum. Right. Right. Well, that's good. You can go to rivermiles.com dot uh, com if you want to find out more about it. I believe that's the uh, the home of the uh, MR. Uh, 340 correct correct yeah so if you're if you're listening to this and you're thinking yeah i want to try that maybe you want to do the pit crew experience <laughs> yeah, and you can do that or, next year and do you have a pit crew we do a ground yes. crew i guess a, you call a, it a ground crew yep, yep, okay. which is going to be vital <laughs> so so in training before we close out in training how long is the longest you've gone uh because you're talking 340 miles i know i know uh you went 20 no we've, we got a little bit more we've gone about 60 miles in one day oh boy so i mean Train for the event and then participate. There needs to be some difference. Yeah, I yeah, think, yeah. You know, so 
We'll find out if we made the right choice. Okay, and the uh, the race actually begins uh, next Friday, is that correct? Actually, it's next Tuesday. Oh. Wow. Next Tuesday on the, the 20th. Well, we're going to have to either get you on the phone after the fact or uh, <laughs> yeah. whatever to, to see how things fare. Sounds and, good. Uh, see how many hours it took you. But uh, Ryan Conley from In Season Financial, great sponsor for Second Amendment Radio on the Great Outdoors. Thanks for explaining it, uh, what it is. We wish you luck. Be safe. And uh, pack an extra protein bar or something with you. <laughs> yeah. My goodness. You know, something I've always been interested in, thank you, Ryan, great to meet you, is the issue of suppressors. And if you've always had questions about them or you want to find out more, uh, this is your opportunity. Coming up, we're going to talk to a Dave Matheny from the Silencer Shop, and he's a member of the American Suppressor Association. I didn't even know such a thing existed, but we're going to talk to Dave Matheny when we come back. You're listening to Second Amendment Radio in the Great Outdoors. Hello darkness, my old friend I've come to talk with you again Because a vision softly creeping <laughs> okay, I'm waiting for the line. Uh-huh. Is it? No, you can talk about it. Okay, well, Second Amendment Radio on the Great Outdoors. Carl Middleman, the uh, the jukebox runner right there. Pew, pew. Uh, and, and Here we go. Here it is. Here it is. You do put some effort into it, i got to tell you. Uh, this segment is brought to you by Razorback Armory. They are your silencer shop. You can go in there. They've got a beautiful kiosk and uh, get you set up if that's what you've been wanting to do. And you're thinking, why would I want a silencer? Well, in this segment, we're going to find out why. But Razorback Armory in De Pere on Manchester Road, a half mile east of 270. Go to RazorbackArmory.com. Tell them Bo sent you in there. And uh, we have our next guest, Dave Matheny, uh, CEO and founder of Silencer Shop. I said silencer shop. I meant... I meant silencer kiosk in their store at Razorback Armory, but uh, board member of the American Suppressor Association. Welcome to Second Amendment Radio on the Great Outdoors, sir. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Doing fantastic. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us to uh, shed some light on the importance and the benefits of having a suppressor on your firearm. Uh, if you want to explain generally how long you've been a suppressor fan. You know, I, I actually got into suppressors in around 2008, so it's been about I guess 12, 13 years now, something like that. Well, that's fantastic. What, what, I mean, why did you first take that step in? Was it uh, for personal reasons? Yeah, it was. My, my son was born 100% deaf in his right ear, and I was just getting a suppressor to protect his, his good ear. That's really what it boiled down to for me. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I, I just don't think a lot of people, I mean, first of all, there's a little bit of work goes into getting one, yes. right? And I think maybe people d- don't, uh, ca- maybe casual sportsmen don't look at them as often as they should, which is why we're excited to have you on here, Dave, because you can kind of explain to us the advantages uh, and uh, of using uh, a silencer. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it, it, seriously, for hunters especially, that's the category, I believe, where every single hunter should always have a suppressor on their gun. It's a, you're out, you're out in the woods all day. Most hunters, man, they, they take one shot. They're out there all day. They take one shot. So they don't wear hearing protection. And that hearing loss, that little bit every year adds up until you're 60 or 70 years old and you can't have normal conversations anymore. You don't realize it when you're, you know, 25, 30 years old, but that, that damage never 
never repairs itself. Absolutely. You know, it is interesting, though. I think most people, uh, whether they uh, own firearms or not, they think of what they've seen from Hollywood movies and TV shows, right? The silencer yeah. is the bad guy. Um, and and when I learned that it's actually a hearing protection for the most part, it, se- it just immediately makes it to me more mainstream. But what's interesting, and I don't know how much, Mark, you know about them, but uh, you can you can switch them from a uh, a nine millimeter caliber pistol to a nine millimeter rifle if that's you know you're choosing you can you can actually they can adapt to more than one firearm as long as they're the same caliber which I think is is really fantastic so it's almost like universal am I correct? That's right. And you don't even with, with silencers you don't even care about caliber you care about bore size and pressure. So if the bullet will fit through and the suppressor can handle the pressure you can use it. So there are a lot of nine millimeter cans that'll even work on your AR-15. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. They're not as quiet, but they but they do work. So so uh, you know, I guess you do. You have to have a threaded barrel. Do you have to get your barrel threaded? How do they how do they fit on? I have honestly never used one. Yeah, man. Most barrels anymore come threaded, so it's not as big of a hassle as it used to be. But uh, even if you have a rifle that's not threaded, it's it's pretty straightforward. It's usually about seventy five bucks to have a gun to do it. On pistols, you have to change the barrel out because you need okay. it to extend past the end of the slide with a threaded section. So, yeah, it has to be threaded. I, the AR-15s, for example, are all threaded. I actually had so an opportunity to go out with a vendor, a, a manufacturer vendor, and they had several silencers. Of course, you know, it looks like a, a full artillery uh, on the table at the shooting <laughs> range, um, but they had a lot of opportunity for us to shoot them, and I was so surprised that you know it, you know, you know that that uh, pre um, uh, the preconceived notion that the gun is going to bang, it's going to you know it's going to recoil, it all goes away because there's less recoil. I believe I don't know if that's true, but it feels like. But you're not you're not afraid of that bang, even if you're at the shooting range yeah. a lot. I mean, it's just you you always you can screw up your aim just by anticipating uh, you know that 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 yeah. noise that's going to come. Correct. Yep, and, and the suppressor will generally reduce recoil by more than a muzzle brake on most calibers. It's a huge reduction in recoil and an increase in accuracy, too, once again, in most scenarios. Right. Yeah. So it's, uh, there are some real benefits to using them. Yeah, part of, that, part of that depends on the shooter. I don't know if it would increase my accuracy or not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I tell you, for, for bad shooters, it makes a bigger difference. Cause it, uh, and I'm not saying you're a bad shooter. Sure. I think he yeah, kind of did. We know yeah. what you're saying, Dave. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Uh, let's but, talk about the reduced recoil, because recoil has an, a massive impact on people's accuracy. Yeah. And once that goes away, accuracy tends to improve. Yeah. It's about that apprehension. My wife is a better shot than I am. I've heard you say yeah. that. Her, her blood runs ice cold, and she just has her heart rate stays completely calm the whole time, no matter what. We're, I'm like, wow, this is crazy. Um, so Mark had mentioned that it, it, there's a, it's an involved process to get a silencer for your weapon. Again, I mentioned Razorback Armory. They do a great job. I, I would presume Silencer Shop is a store you can shop at to get them? Actually, no. We, we, we basically have those kiosks that we deploy all over the country. We're oh. a distributor. We handle the paperwork. But it's a Razorback. They're one of our one of our dealers. I didn't know that. That's fantastic. So let's walk through that process because it does take time. If this is what you're after, yeah. So so the process is pretty simple. You walk into the store, or you can go to silencershop.com. The end result is the same. You buy your silencer. Um, you have to go into the store and use the kiosk one time. So if you buy a hundred silencers over the course of however many years, you still only have to go to it once. Oh. Enter your information, takes about five minutes, 
and then we process all the paperwork on the back end. You know, once you've gone through the once you've gone through the kiosk, we manage everything. The hardest part is truly the wait. So there's nothing hard about buying a silencer. We've automated and made it all as simple as possible. Right. But That's great. By the time you've waited eight months, <clears throat> you can feel like it was hard. It's like being a kid before Christmas for eight months. <laughs> yeah, I'm right? sure it is. Yeah, yeah. And what, what takes yeah. so long with that, Dave? Is it is it just backlog with the federal government or is it the is it a background check? What 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 all are they doing in that period of time? You know, it, it really is a very manual process for for the for the government. They it's not very efficient on their side. So it's not some intense background check, nothing like that. It's them shuffling paper, right? Oh, God. It's a, uh, it's, it's pretty crazy. No, we've got a lot of government. They should be able to get that this, uh, filed right through. Yeah, this is the group that wants to. Bigger. This is the group that wants to take over healthcare, and they can't process paperwork in 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 eight months. <laughs> uh, Dave, I, I I do have to ask this: is is the cost a barrier uh, for some folks? Yeah, now there is a two hundred dollar tax. Wherever you buy a silencer, there's a $200 tax that goes on top of whatever you buy. The price of the silencers generally range from two or $300 up to 800 to 1000 Most silencers kind of fall in that range, about the same as most firearms, honestly. Mm-hmm. So, But then you throw the tax on top of it. So, of course, cost will be a barrier for, for some. But with inflation, I think that $200 tax has gotten to the point where it's, it, people can swing it to get a suppressor. Well, uh, Dave, I would love to uh, have you talk uh, real quick just about the history of the suppressors and who invented it. And that that factoid, I think a lot of people will take with them and go, you know, hey, did you know? And they're going to use that for the rest of their life. So share that information, if you would. Yeah, really, the suppressors were, uh, they were invented back in the early 1900s, you know, and basically for the exact same reasons we use them today, just to make it more comfortable to shoot. And, and. Hiram Percy Maxim, who invented the silencer, also welded that first suppressor onto the tailpipe of a car, and that's where mufflers come from. Yeah. Ma- Maxim Silencer is still in business as a muffler company. That's crazy. That is crazy. And, and you know, I guess I assume the technology has improved through the years. Oh, yeah. It, it's Even over the last 10 years, there have been some pretty vast jumps although the basic underlying technology is still the same as it was in you know 19 whatever right yeah i'm sure because all you think of is you know the james bond movie where he's pulls the gun out and he's screwing the silencer on the end because he's getting ready to take somebody out right the sound is not the same and the reason you have one is not the same yeah they're not silent on, <laughs> on tv you would think they're the silent tool and they're just not you, like a like an AR-15, for example, it's as loud as a jack on concrete, even with a suppressor. So people sure. will hear it. Most people still wear plugs. It's reduced significantly, but it's not silent. Well, the reason you got uh, involved in this uh, industry and, and uh, to be a proponent of it was about your child. Uh, does your child have his uh, good ear still, and is he also a fan of uh, firearms? Yeah, yeah, actually. He lives up in Wyoming now. He's a huge outdoorsman. Nice. And he, uh, I, I don't think we'll ever get him back to Texas, honestly. <laughs> 
I, I you know I think that's fantastic. You, you've you've informed me a lot, uh, Dave Matheny, our guest here, CEO and founder of Silencer Shop, a board member of the American Suppressor Association. And is there is there a good uh, website for people to go to, Dave, if they want to find out uh, more about uh, the process and and uh, finding one of the kiosks? Yeah, absolutely. Just go to silencershop.com. We've got tons of information, videos, articles. You can find your, find a kiosk usually within a couple miles of your house. It's a, there, there's a lot of information there. Well, that's fantastic. As I mentioned, uh, Razorback Armory has one of your kiosks. I didn't know that that, uh, that connection was there, uh, but good to know that it is. And uh, we really thank you for your information, Dave. Really, really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. All yeah, right. our pleasure. Dave Matheny there, CEO and founder of Silencer Shop. This is I. I love shoot. I love hunting. I love finding out new information about shooting and hunting. And Absolutely, that's fascinating to me because I, I just had a friend the other day, maybe a couple of months ago, who who sent me a text and he was all excited because his he'd finally gotten his paperwork back and could go pick up his uh, his suppressor nice. from, from mm-hmm. the gun store. Right, yeah. it does take a while and it just makes no sense. It does months it's, and months sometimes. Months. Uh, but you know what? If you start now. It'll be one day closer to getting it (laughs) delivered. That's right. All right. Well, I think uh, that's it, huh? I think so. Good deal. All right. Uh, Mark Cox, Carl Miniman. Uh, And in this segment, you really should do your signature move, uh, but quietly. Pew, pew. Because the silencer. Uh, We put a silencer on Carl. Is that possible? Oh, you just made a whole bunch of people happy. (laughs) Yeah. How much is that going to cost me? Because I might invest today. I'm just teasing. Exactly. (laughs) Second Amendment Radio on the Great Outdoors. Thank you for listening. Please share uh, this uh, broadcast uh, on our Odyssey app as well with all your friends and family. And have a great weekend. See you, boys. Get more at 971talk.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 